Welcome back to the Songa Center here in downtown Lowell, Massachusetts. The score at the end of the second period of Game 2 of the Hockey's first-round series. It's Merrimack 2, UMass Lowell 1. I'm Mike Macknick with John Leahy. Tonight's second intermission is brought to you by Merrimack Graduate Studies. At Merrimack, you can earn your master's degree in as little as one year. Choose from graduate programs in business, education, engineering, health sciences, criminology, and so much more. Visit merrimack.edu backslash graduate. That's merrimack.edu backslash graduate today for all the details. Well, as we said, Merrimack leading by a goal, 2-1 to one here with the start of the third period coming up and uh, joining us here in the third, uh, the intermission, second intermission here, uh, Joshua Cummins from New England Hockey Journal and also U.S. College Hockey Online. And uh, Josh, kind of a strange sort of game, a lot of different things happening, a lot of delays for one reason or another. Uh, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, uh, not, not a lot of shots, obviously uh, something you kind of expect with these two teams who play a really hard defensive style, but it seems like, uh, uh, to me, that Merrimack has just kind of wanted it, wanted it more. Obviously, uh, up a game in the series, and and Craig Pantanos had to make some really big saves, and I think that's given a lot of energy to the team, and uh, obviously getting a couple goals. And uh, uh, Lowell's able to get one back, but it does seem like that uh, Merrimack's had the kind of the better of the play overall, and it seems like in a good position uh, with the lead after two. Well, I do think it's been such a close series. Uh, you know, last night's game, a 2-1 win for Merrimack. They actually trailed in the game until late, and they had to tie it up and then win in overtime, a game that could have gone either way. Tonight, really, uh, more of the same thing. There's not a lot to choose between the two teams. The shots were, I know Merrimack poured them on in, in overtime last night, but at least through three periods, the shots were pretty even. It's very even here at 15-14 to 14 low at the end of two periods. And, uh, you know, I mean, nobody's been able to break through on the power play yet, so penalty kills have been perfect for both teams. It really has been a lot to choose, but you, I, I guess you'd have to figure as the higher seed coming into the series that Lowell was the favorite, and uh, scoring goals for them has proven to be difficult this week. Yeah, I, I would have thought so too, especially on home ice. It seems like uh, they always have some some good games here, and it doesn't seem like uh, obviously it's a it's a hard place for, for opponents to play, but but like I said, Merrimack's done a, a good job of getting the getting the traffic in front of the net and getting some some opportunities that, that really Lowell hasn't been able to do, and, and when they have, uh, Craig Van has been there uh, for some really big saves. Yeah, some of the things we might look at as being key in this game, that five-minute major that Lowell had early in the uh, early in the second period. We're starting to see this now more, I think, in the playoffs, that the uh, official's going to replay to, to make calls, and uh, I know what happened in the Vermont-UMass game the other night. It happened uh, a couple of times tonight already uh, during that second period. It seemed like the fans were starting to lose patience with that whole situation. Yeah, there are a couple a couple long ones there, but I think Merrimack did a, did a really good job uh, uh, bouncing back from that. Obviously, uh, uh, the, the play evened up there with, with Lowell taking a penalty themselves, and they didn't really uh, let a lot go as far as uh, Lowell opportunities. And yeah, I think they did a really, really good job bouncing back. But they were two pretty, pretty long delays, but but they but they got the penalties after after reviewing them. I guess. What's your thought on that? Because I would hate to see us go to a situation where almost every penalty is getting reviewed, a potential penalty. I mean, already we know goals can be looked at during the regular season. Yeah, they're not going to look at things like penalties unless it's to decide the severity, I guess, of a penalty they've already called.
ball, but now it sounds like in in uh, in the in the postseason here in the playoffs that they can do that to uh, to try to ensure a call that maybe they uh, not sure if the call should be made or what it should be. So I mean, I, I'm not sure that that this is such a good thing to have as many delays as we've seen tonight. Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed it a couple at least a couple times during the regular season too. Uh, like you said, to to determine the severity of, of the penalties, and it, it does seem like they've taken a really long time to get them. I mean, if, if you can get it in, in a minute or two, and I, I'm sure it's fine, but but this seemed like a little too long. Obviously, there were uh, it's a determination of a major penalty in this case, so so I guess you have to do it. But it definitely seems like uh, it's taking a little too long. I agree. What did you think? So obviously, the first review had to do with looking at that for the the, the call off the face off where uh, Tyler Mueller got hurt, and uh, you know we saw him come over, doubled over, and he eventually ended up calling a slashing major on Merrimack's Alfred Larson. Then soon after that, we had another uh, another case where the officials went in and took a look at the the replay and ended up calling a penalty, and that was on the uh, the situation there. It's kind of funny that he seems to be involved in all these. But uh, Mueller and Cini, right, and uh, and the call ends up being made there, but. Um, actually, uh, I'm trying to see. Was that the call on... Uh, maybe I'm losing track here. Uh, maybe that was... Oh, that was Hausinger. Sorry, Kenny Hausinger with the elbow. But Cini is the one who seems to be you know, involved there. And so maybe the big question there was, is that a two or is that a five? Um, you know, Was that the way that you saw that situation as well? Yeah, I saw both of those uh, pretty much the same way. Obviously, he's a guy who's, who's always involved in the play, like you say. So, yeah, if, the, if there was a question there, uh, it definitely seems like both of those were, were determining major and minor. Talking with Joshua Cummins. He is from New England Hockey Journal. You can check out his work there and also U.S. College Hockey Online. Check out his work at uscho.com. It's 2-1 to one Merrimack here at the end of the second period. Third period is coming up here. Uh, quick thoughts, other series uh, around Hockey East. Have you had a chance to see any of the other games, whether on TV or perhaps live? Uh, uh, Vermont is at UMass. They'll play their third and deciding game tomorrow. UNH is at Maine tonight. Uh, UNH trailing the series. Uh, Maine leading it one game to none in the game last I saw was one to one in the second period. Have you had a chance to see any any of those and, and your thoughts? Yeah, I saw some of the um, Maine and UNH game uh, last night on TV. Obviously, uh, a pretty emotional weekend for for UNH with it potentially being uh, Dickie Millie's last weekend there. Um, it seemed like they played pretty well in stretches of the game, but in the third period, kind of like I said in this game with Merrimack, it seemed like Maine just wanted it more on their home ice and and, and had a couple empty net goals in the end to kind of extend that score and that that UMass Vermont series obviously. Uh, uh, two overtime games and uh, two teams that, that are, are pretty even in, in the standings and it seems like they've had some great crowds there and, and the, the people in Amherst are really uh, uh, getting behind the, the team there which is good to see because it hasn't been like that in, in recent years and the, the way that the team's played for Greg Carville has been, been really fun to watch with those uh, two high draft picks uh, defensemen Ferraro and, and Kel McCann. You know, you're the guy who's used to coming to Lowell. You know, you've done a lot of work over at the Lowell Spinners. Uh, what, what do you think about coming back to Lowell here for hockey? Yeah, it's, it's awesome uh, what they've done with the with the building since I was growing up. Coming here is, is really cool, and obviously, uh, there's nothing uh, like the summertime kind of uh, uh, when you're when you're down the street there. But but obviously, what they've done here is really awesome, and uh, the team's been playing some really great hockey over the last uh, uh, handful of years. Hey, let me get your quick thoughts here now that the regular season. 
season is over, I guess it's time to start thinking about postseason awards here in, in Hockey East. So let's start, first of all, Coach of the Year. Uh, who do you think uh, should get Coach of the Year in Hockey East? It's tough. I think there's a few this year. Obviously, it, you, you hate to say Jerry York every single time, but, but it seems like uh, uh, he, he might be the guy this year. Obviously, uh, they were picked for fifth or sixth in the, in the league, I, I think, in the preseason poll. And they don't kind forget, of. Don't forget, no seniors either on that piece. Right. No, no seniors. Well, only one graduate student. It's a pretty crazy stat that even Jerry York said that he hadn't experienced in his uh, coaching career before. So, yeah, I think definitely uh, he would be the guy with such a young team and and uh, uh, no seniors, such a young team. And the way that they were able to do it, too, they pretty much ran, ran away as it, as, as it turned out. All right, so Jerry, Jerry York for Coach of the Year. I can't really can't argue that. I mean, you got some other guys that deserve consideration or mention at least, including Jim Madigan at Northeastern, Red Gendron at Maine, maybe even, you know, Mike Kavanaugh at UConn. But I think Jerry York, you know, first place, certainly. I don't think, especially back in, in the fall, I did not see that coming. So, um, all right, Player of the Year. This might be tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's two Northeastern guys. It's yeah. Adam Gaudet and, and Dylan Secure, obviously, the... the You'd almost still, like to split it between the two of them. Right? I mean, it, it's crazy, and it could almost be the two of them of the, in the three for the Hobie Baker yep. Award at the end of the year, too. They're just, it's, the, the stats, I think that's the, you can't really argue with, with the numbers, how far ahead, I don't know what the what the discrepancy is, but they're so far ahead, I think it's almost like ten points between the two of them and, and anyone else. Yeah, and maybe you could call it God, God Kira. Actually, this brings up a really good question. Yeah. Um, think back a couple years ago, the year that Jimmy Vesey won the Hobie, and you had the three players from Michigan. May have split the vote there. You've got a similar situation here. I think that line is so good for Northeastern, good at Secura, and even Nolan Stevens, who a lot of not many people are even mentioning him. But you know, those three guys could sweep the uh, the, the fir first team All Hockey East. Is this going to impact the the chances of say either Gaudet or Secura to win the Hobie Baker? I think it probably probably would, but I think uh, in that case it would probably be Goddet over Secure just because of the the points and how far ahead he's been. Goals too, I believe. Goals too, yeah. And I, I think it, it would have been difficult if if either or both of them went to the Olympics, but but neither of them did. So I uh, we don't even have to have that conversation. Right. But it's obviously uh, uh, would have been interesting to see what happened there if if someone else would have been able to to come in and maybe challenge them. But they are just so far ahead in, in the points it might not make a difference at all. Well, before we let you go here. We'll finish up Rookie of the Year in Hockey East. I think I have an idea who you're probably going to say the same as me, but who would you say Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I mean, the, it could be those two defensemen just with the with the way UMass has played, but I think Caden uh, Primo at Northeastern, too, is someone who, who who wasn't the starting goaltender at the beginning of the season, and he's just, uh, again, someone who is higher than every goaltender in Hockey East and, and has really made a big difference for that team, getting them to, to second, uh, uh, second in the standings at Challenge see there. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be a good call as well. All right, good uh, selections. Josh, great to see you as always. We, we appreciate it, folks. Check out his work at the New England Hockey Journal. It's uh, hockeyjournal.com, right? Yep. And also uscho.com. You're covering the game tonight, right? Yep. All right. All right, check out his work, folks. That's Joshua Cummins. I appreciate you joining us, Josh. Really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the game. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Mike. All right, score here is Merrimack 2, UMass Lowell 1. We'll be back with more right after this. This is Warrior Hockey.